Welcome to the sermon podcast for New Life Church's Cabot Campus. We are located at 3400 West Main Street in Cabot, Arkansas. Our service times are Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. To find more information about what we believe, upcoming events, and more, please visit newlifechurch.tv or you can text the word Cabot to 88000. I'm excited to be in here today. Like I said, usually I'm with the middle schoolers and there's, there's fart noises and there's you know, other things going on, but hopefully y'all can hold that in for the next half an hour of your life or so, <laughs> unless you got issues with your stomach and then I guess, I don't know, you do whatever you want. Uh, today, did y'all notice the weather? Like it's actually cooling down. I feel like we're in a new season, like it's almost fall. Are we excited? <laughs> Most of you, okay. Um, fall is almost here. Today, I wanna talk about waiting. As a Hawks fan, we've been waiting to have three wins in September. I feel like, I don't know, but it's really cool to have three wins um, before even the month is over. So uh, the topic today, I need to get in my notes or I'll talk about the Razorbacks all day. Um, it's about seasons of waiting. What is the season of waiting? What does it look like? What are some examples? And so some seasons of waiting that I have here um, or maybe you're waiting on a raise or a promotion at work that you know that you deserve. Or maybe you're waiting on a new job. Maybe uh, you're waiting on a loved one to return home. Maybe they're like the prodigal son or the prodigal um, in your family and you're praying for them. Maybe you're waiting for your sports team to have a good season that doesn't involve track. Um, that's a lot of us. You know, I feel like that's going to be a lifetime trying to wait for that for us. Maybe you're waiting for a loved one or a spouse to blank or you're waiting for um, your health to improve or a diagnosis to change. A waiting season can look like a lot of different things. But for most of us, I was even praying this week, like, Lord, is this message relevant? And I felt the Holy Spirit said there will be hundreds of people in first service and this service watching online where this message is relevant. And so I hope this speaks to you. Maybe you're not waiting right now. Maybe you just got out of a waiting season, or maybe you're going to be walking into one. I think what we have today to break down can help us all. And so everyone turn to your neighbor and say, waiting. Okay, so I am used to high schoolers, and one, they're louder, uh, and two, they talk while I'm talking. So if you um, feel a little uneasy talking in church, that's okay. Um, In the church, I feel like in the Bible Belt, we use the word waiting um, as also like the word seasons. Like I'm in a season of life. Like it's a good season, or it's a bad season, or I want to get out of this season. And I think that God allows seasons. I think God can cause seasons. Certainly the enemy can cause seasons these waiting times in our life. Maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a coworker, or maybe life just happens. And so that's why we're waiting. I wanna talk about waiting. And I think if we're being honest, waiting's not easy. It's one of the hardest times in our life, but if we don't waste the waiting season, it can be some of the most fruitful times in our life too. And so I wanna break down the story of David, not the entire story, How many of y'all by a show of hands are familiar with David in the Old Testament? Okay, so we're gonna take the time from where he was anointed king until he had the battle with Goliath. So most scholars, the smart people say, hey, that's like two or three years of time. But I think even in those two or three years, we're gonna break down that there is a lot to glean from when it comes to our season of waiting. All right, so be ready for the word I am. Um, So David's waiting season to become king was like 15 or 20 years after he was anointed. That's a long time. That's a long waiting season. Um, The title of today's message, if you are taking notes, I think it's at the top, um, is what to do in the waiting. What to do in the waiting. So there's four spans 
of time I want to talk about. And each one of these, I think there's a promise from God and there's a lie from the enemy in each of these. And so the first one, turn to your attractive neighbor and say the anointing. Turn to your attractive neighbor and say the anointing. And then the one that you left out on the other side, say the anointing. So we're in 1 Samuel. We'll be praying for y'all at the altar later. We, I understand it might have just caused some issues. Um, we're in 1 Samuel 16. It's in verse 7. And the prophet Samuel was given some direction by God to go and anoint the next king, but that's really all that he knew. So let's read. It said, The Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at your heart. I just want to say to start, the Lord sees your season. I don't know if you're just walking into a slight pause or you've been waiting for decades for a prayer to happen or something to come that you've been hoping for. But no matter what, the Lord sees your season. But even more importantly, and I hope it encourages you, the Lord sees your heart. He sees what you're feeling. And I'm learning that in a waiting season, if you're waiting for your health or you're waiting for a loved one or a job, no matter what it is, there are tons of feelings that we can feel as we wait. And a lot of them can happen in the same day. It's like, man, I'm hopeful. And then like the very next hour, I'm anxious. I mean, I'm excited and then I'm afraid. And I think that that is okay because God sees our heart. And just to start, I want you to know he sees you. He sees your heart. He sees your season and he cares. Everyone say he cares. So one by one, you have the brothers of David come by Samuel and he's like, not it, not it, not it. They all go through And then this is where we pick up in our stories in verse 11. It says, Samuel asked Jesse, are these all the sons that you have? And he said, no, they're still the youngest. He's out with the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he comes. And so David walks in. Samuel's like, my man. He anoints him in verse 13. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. In the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, this phrase come upon is not only is the Holy Spirit like resting, literally resting on him, but it's almost like empowering him and moving him to make a move, to take a step, to do something. Transition question, just by a show of hands, how many of y'all like to fly in planes? You like to fly in planes? Okay, so y'all the weird ones. How many of y'all do not like to fly in planes like me? You get motion sickness, you get nauseous, just like riding the back of a church bus, like you're always going to get sick. The thing is, for me on a plane, I don't just get nauseous, I get hot, like like extremely hot. Is there anyone else in the room that just, okay, one, two, three, four, yes. I had eight people in first service, just like 28 in this service, so I'm with my family here. So I get hot on planes, and I realize the smaller the flight, the shorter the flight, the smaller the plane, the hotter I get. I call these planes puddle jumpers, like the little things you put on your kids in the pool, but a plane, and I call them puddle jumpers because it's just like, whoop. You know, just small flights. Anyway, Dallas to Little Rock. I'm on a training flight several years ago from the job I, I used to have. And um, I was dressed in my business attire. I had a button down, had some khaki pants, dress shoes. My shirt's tucked into my pants. And I'm sitting on this plane 15 minutes in, and all I am is nauseous. And I'm kind of excited about that because the hot flash hasn't come yet. Like, I'm not sweating yet. And then it was just like, it, was just, it just hit me in the face. I start sweating. And so my first um, order of procedure is I unbutton all three buttons on my shirt. You know, it's getting risque. And unbutton all my, I roll up my khaki pants to my knees, untie my dress shoes, kick them off. I'm like sitting there for like three minutes. It feels like I'm in the presence of the Lord and I'm in heaven and I'm not sweating. And then immediately it was like, 
It was just gone. I started sweating again. So I adjust these two little air things, you know, and they're both pointing at me the whole time. It's like, okay, does anyone here work on planes? Can anyone explain to me why the air does not work on these little ones as well as the big ones? Please talk to me after service. I'm sitting there and it, it hits me. Pardon me. Forgive me, James. Don't fire me. I, I unbuttoned my button and I undid my belt. And I pulled my shirt out, and I'm aimed towards the window. There's no one sitting next to me, okay? There's no one sitting next to me. And I'm like, it's a night flight. No one can see me. It's all right. And I'm like profusely sweating, getting sick. The thing is for me is I can't throw up. Like I literally, I've thrown up once in 12 years. I, I, I just can't. I wish I could. I can't. I'm sitting there. I'm nauseous. I'm sweating. And this wise in years flight attendant walks towards me. And she's giving me like the look like, what's going on with this dude? And she says, sir. She like squats down pre-COVID. She says, sir. <laughs> she says, sir, are you okay? You ever have those conversations in your mind before you actually have them? The shower is like the best spot for them. Like you win every argument in the shower, right? Like I'm undefeated in the shower. I'm sitting there and I had this conversation going through my head like, man, do I look okay? Is this normal for having man on button pants? Don't answer the question. You know, like, is, is this, do I look okay? She said, sir, what do you need? I said, I'm so hot. Can I please have a cup of ice? She said, would you like some peanuts with that? No, she didn't say that. But still, she brought me this cup of ice, and I just have it in my hands, and somehow I, I have to land this story. Um, I had a cup of ice in my hands, and I'm just like rubbing it on my face and my arms. Any exposed body part, I'm just rubbing ice on me for like the next half hour. Waiting on the landing of that flight, really any flight, is miserable for me. It's miserable but the more flights I take, I have to learn to frame my perspective, to not focus on the problem. See, I knew I was going to be asleep in my bed that night. Probably within two hours, I was going to be out. But all I could focus on was the problem. I had to learn to frame my perspective. David was not worried about his 20 years of waiting. He wasn't worried about when his plane was going to land. He didn't know it was going to be 20 years until he was anointed king. But he framed his waiting from the perspective of a promise. We need to frame our waiting season from the perspective of a promise. David had this promise that he was going to become king, but not only that, that, that the spirit of God was going to rest on him and that was going to be enough for whatever he needed. So for you, the first promise I want to tell you from God is that his spirit, if you're a Christ follower, his spirit literally right now is already on the inside of you and you have what it takes to get through the waiting season. You have the power you have the promise, you have the spirit, that's all we need. But there's a lie from the enemy, and I struggle with this. He'll whisper it some way or another, hey, you don't have what it takes. The Holy Spirit's not enough. You're not gonna make it through. And what I'm learning, if I have the Holy Spirit, I don't have to have the answers when the solution's already on the inside of me. I don't have to have the answers. The solution's already here. God's gonna take care of it. So we just have to choose to frame the season that we're in from the perspective of God's promise that he is with us, he's not gonna leave us, and his power is with us to get through this season. But you have to know that your waiting season is a preparing season. Your waiting season is a preparing season. It's not just a time to be complacent. What I don't like about life is that we usually don't know what we're being prepared for. Like we're being prepared, we feel all this tension, we feel all this angst, this pain, but we don't know what we're being prepared for. We tell our kids at nighttime about David and Goliath, right? Which is kind of weird because it's a very gruesome story. But we tell our kids about David and Goliath, 
But his parents did not tell David about David, right? Because David hadn't happened yet. David did not know what he was being prepared for. As we wait on God, God wants us to be content, but he doesn't want us to be complacent. He wants us to be content with who he is, but not complacent on just where we're at. So that's the next part. The second phase is the positioning. Turn to your other neighbor that you abandoned earlier and say the positioning. Okay, that was 13 of you. Say positioning. Okay, in verse 16, it says, Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who could play the liar. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you and you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, find someone who plays well, plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I've seen the son of Jesse. He knows how to play. He's a brave man. He's a warrior. He speaks well and he's attractive. Hello. And the Lord is with him. Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son, David, who is with the sheep, who is with the sheep. And so as he waited, David was positioned in two areas of his life. He was doing what he was supposed to be doing, and he did what he liked to do. It's kind of a weird combination that David had with like sheep and music, but that was his weird combination that provided great results. It's kind of like a peanut butter and banana and honey sandwich. Weird combination, great results. Can I get an amen from anybody? Okay. What about a little short man and Alabama football? Weird combination, unfortunately for us, the Hog fans, great results. Coca-Cola on ice with espresso with creamer and vanilla will change your life. Y'all are judging a pastor in church and God's going to kill you. Don't do that. So Coca-Cola on ice with espresso, creamer, vanilla syrup. One day we're going to have it out here at Blend and it's going to be called the Ricky Special in Jesus' name. I'm going to make it happen. Pastor Bernie, wherever you're at, we're going to make that happen. Weird combination, great results. What this means for us is as we wait, do what you know to do and do what you like to do. Do what you enjoy doing. How I would say it another way is just keep moving forward as you wait. Walk forward as you wait. And so practically, literally do your job. Whatever your eight to five is or do your job. If it's a stay-at-home parent, whatever it is, just do it well. When we do what we're supposed to do well, God honors that and he blesses that. So also enjoy what you enjoy doing. I know that as we wait, it can be painful sometimes. Go play golf, go eat a burrito, read a book, go tend your sheep, whatever it is. Just enjoy what you do and do what you know that you're supposed to be doing. Don't become complacent as you wait. I know that from a personal experience, a lot of different times in my life, as we wait on God to do something, just anything, we can get discouraged, we can get discontent, we can get distracted Just don't be complacent because there's a promise from God that is being in your assignment aligns you with what's next. Being in your assignment aligns you with what's next. The flock was David's assignment. Right now, my middle schoolers are part of my assignment. When David was needed for the king, people knew exactly, literally where to find him. They didn't have pagers and beepers back there or, you know, tracking devices on their phones. They knew where to find David because he was positioned in his assignment, and that triggered the next step in his life. And so I say this to high school students. I told first service, I'm more abrasive with high school students than I am adults. But this is something I would say to them is, why would God tell you what's next if you didn't do what's last? Why would he give you the next step if you're not obeying the last step? Luke 6, 
I literally rechecked this last night because I was like, I typed this. This isn't the word. And no, this is the word. Luke 6, this is Jesus speaking to a large crowd. He said, why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? Now, Jesus doesn't have a condemning tone. But why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? In the church, and I've been guilty of this, a lot of times we all want to be saved from our sin. But a lot of times we don't like the Lord part. This is my life. Jesus is Lord and he is Savior. What we do with what God says matters. And so the questions are, how are you doing with what God told you last? And how are you doing with what God's already given you? Are you doing it well? Verse 21, let me encourage you now that I've punched you in the face. David came to Saul and entered his service. Look at David's position. He's literally serving right next to the king. He's literally serving right next to the king. Saul liked him very much, and David became one of his armor bearers. Saul sent word to Jesse, said, allow him to remain with me. I like him. Whenever the spirit from God came on Saul, that's a whole other message, David would take up his instrument and play. Then relief would come. He'd feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. David was allowed proximity to the promise. Like he could almost taste it. He was there. I need to hear this. Someone else needs to hear this. It's just not time yet. It's just not time yet. You're close to the promise. The proximity, you're there. It's just not time yet. It's not time yet. The lie from the enemy as you wait is no progress is being made. You're always going to be this way. It's always going to be painful. Nothing's ever going to change. God doesn't hear you. Throw in the towel. You might as well quit. And I just want to tell you that the first thing you should do when you hear that is to tell the devil to shut his mouth. You are a child of the king. You are a son and daughter of the king of kings. We have the authority to tell the enemy to shut up. But as soon as you listen, you invite him right back in. Do not talk to me. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Second, is your pause is never meant to be passive. We have to keep moving. We have to keep obeying on what God says next. You think of it this way. You should be doing what you would be doing if God already answered your prayer. You should be acting. You should be treating people. You should be praising and praying and worshiping. You should be doing what you would be doing if your prayer, if your answer was already here. The third thing is the questioning the questioning. Anyone in here have a child under the age of eight? Eight's just a number I chose in first service. Let's say, okay. They say there's a saying, there's no stupid questions. They never had kids, you know. <laughs> like, my kid's not stupid, the question's stupid. Um, I've never been so embarrassed in my life by a simple question that I got asked by my five-year-old on Friday. She goes to preschool here, Little Life Academy, little plug for our preschool. It is amazing. Um, I'm walking through and my daughter has this thing kind of like her mom, like she likes to amp things up. And so every time I see my daughter at preschool, she acts like it's the first time and the last time she's ever going to see me. She's like, Hey dad. She's like, love. Uh, uh, uh." It's like blowing kisses. Mm, mm." And she just does like six things. And if I don't repeat them, she'll keep doing them. So I'm like, love Spider-Man, you know, peace. Hello. All these things. I thought that's what was going to happen. That was the start of it. They're having lunch, 20 little five-year-olds, two adults. Important details. Um, I'm walking through, do the stuff. She says, Daddy, yelling across all her friends. I'm like, sweet Lord, what's she going to say? Daddy. (laughs) One question, I've never been so embarrassed in my life. Why does my lunch meat stink? (laughs) (laughs) 
I literally didn't hear her that well, and so I asked her to repeat it. I said, huh? She said, why does my ham stink? I'm like, baby, shh, 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 DHS, just listen and stop, you know, like stop, chill, relax. I walk over to her table, her little friends whispering, did you not smell her meat before? It's like, shut up, like, who are you? No, I didn't. I didn't tell him to shut up, but I insinuated it. It's like, are you a spy for DHS? Get at it. I kicked him. <laughs> Questions, man. Questions. I say this sort of jokingly, but also serious. If you're not questioning maybe the word of God or your faith or who God is, I don't know if you're waiting like some of us are. And that's not a bad thing. Just I think maybe your plan is... Your plane is about to land. The rest of us are at 28,000 feet. We're sweating. We're nauseous. We're rubbing ice on our face. Like, God, where are you? The waiting season, there's questions. David asks in verse 26, he asked the man standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine? I love that David does not call the enemy by his name. What's gonna be done if I kill this dude and remove this disgrace from Israel? Who... This is trash talk. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of a living God? They repeated to him, hey, you're going to get the king's daughter. Taxes and stuff's going to be good. David's oldest brother heard him speaking with the men. He burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? Why did you leave those sheep out in the wilderness? He's like, bro, you got eight sheep. Why did you leave them? Obviously, he's not being kind. I know how conceited you are. This is David's oldest brother and how wicked your heart is, you came down to only watch the battle. A few verses before this, Scripture says they've been standing there for 40 days. So I want to say, sir, what battle? Y'all aren't doing anything. Like, you're all scared. Quit trash-talking me. But David, he's a little different than me. What his brother is saying is in direct opposition to what we just read earlier in God's Word, that only God knows our heart, Right? And that's a good thing for us, and that's also a bad thing. But only God knows his heart. But his older brother is saying, look, man, I know you came down here just to watch. So I'll say this. Just because people are in your circle in the waiting season does not mean they're in your corner. You can have people in your life who are positioned around you. Just because they're around you and they know you, they might not give the best advice. They might not be what you need right now. The Holy Spirit and God's word is what you need. Just because they're in your circle does not mean they're in your corner. Here are some great questions to ask God as you wait. And these are not easy questions. The first one is, God, what are you trying to show me? We like to ask, hey, God, where are you? When are you going to show up? What's it going to look like? But instead, we should ask God, what are you trying to show me? Number two is, what do you want me to learn? As my life's falling apart, what do you want me to learn? As I'm waiting on this health thing to clear, this medicine to work, God, what do you want me to learn? And number three is, God, how can I grow as I wait? How can I grow as I wait? There's a promise that my life is established on. It's this promise right here. God will always honor his word. He is not a man that he should lie or ever go back. God will always honor his word. And somehow, some way. The enemy will try to convince you of this lie is that God is a liar. He'll never say those exact words, but you see in Genesis 2 or 3, it's like, hey, did God really say that? Is that what God really meant? Uh, maybe you misread, maybe you misheard the pastor talking. God does not lie. God honors his word. Can I get an amen? 
Maybe the main point of the whole message is this right here. I should have underlined it and highlighted it for you, but biblical waiting is about your belief and expectation in God's word. Your waiting is about this right here, your belief and your expectation in God's word. And so to the high schoolers in the room, do you believe that God will match his word or do you think God's a liar? Do you believe that God will honor what he says? Do you believe that what he says is true or that he is a liar? And I just know from my own experience, God will do what he says. What the word means is what he means. If you hear his voice in prayer, he promises he's going to do it. We just have to have the faith to fight to keep that belief. We have to keep fighting to believe that. Which leads me to the last part. This is my favorite part, the fighting. The fighting. Verse 32, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Then a few verses later, the Lord who rescued me from the lion and the bear is going to rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. The promise is right here. You have someone greater with you than whoever or whatever you're facing. 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. The promise from God is greater is the Holy Spirit on the inside of you than anything else that you're ever going to go through. Now, I know that's not easy to believe, but that is God's word. And do you believe it or do you believe he's lying? The lie from the enemy when it comes to fighting our fight is that running from the battle is better than engaging in it. Please hear me. If you run from the battle that God has for you, you will miss what God's trying to do in you. And I've done this so much in my life, man. Like it's, it's painful to fight. It's hard to fight. I don't want to fight. But if we run from the battle, we're going to miss what God's trying to do in us. And we cannot, we cannot do that. The very thing, there's been seasons of sin in my life. There's been times, I wouldn't even call them seasons. That's cheapening. There's times I chose sin. The very thing you run to can be the very thing that ruins you. We have to lean into God's voice. The thing with temptation to quit, the temptation to run away, the temptation to not fight is that the enemy will always highlight the benefits and hide the expenses. He's gonna show you the best parts of it, but he's gonna hide what it's actually gonna cost you. And unfortunately, I've also experienced that if I quit something, we'll experience relief. You'll experience relief in your waiting season, but quitting relief is almost like a counterfeit peace that comes from the enemy. Relief is okay, but it's not peace. Relief is not freedom, relief is not growth, relief is not always best, and I hate even saying this, but sometimes relief is not even God's plan for you. God likes to work through the hard things so he gets the glory, amen? Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you, and David's like, I already know. (laughs) Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic, his armor, his helmet, David fastened the sword over all of that, tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his own staff. He took some rocks. Y'all know the story, the pouch, the shepherd's bag, his sling, and he approached the Philistine. I've taught on this before, but I want to say it again. Fighting the battle with someone else's weapons never works. Trying to use someone else's armor for the battle you're in is not going to work. We have to fight with what God has given us. And if you're fighting with anything other than the word of God, you're not fighting with the best weapon in the world. You're fighting with something that's secondary. That might be okay just for a moment, but you have to rely on the word of God. You do it in prayer and you do it in worship. 
I know praying is not always easy. I know it's not always fun. I know as we can see, it's not always fruitful. But I've learned that when I pray out loud, not just in my mind, when I pray out loud where God can hear me, where I can encourage myself, but maybe most importantly, where the enemy can hear me, and I'm saying scripture in my prayer, that's where it's at. God, I know that greater are you who is in me than he who is in the world. I know I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit and that you dwell in my midst. I know I'm a head and not a tail. Just go through whatever you know. If you don't know it, write it down and read it. There's still power in God's word. It doesn't matter which method it comes from. But when it comes out of your mouth, there's power in it. There's power in prayer. I was studying this week in Daniel 10. I don't have this in my notes. I pray this doesn't make me go too long. But in Daniel 10, Daniel's praying. Doesn't feel his prayers being answered for 21 days. An angel comes to Daniel and says, hey, I just want you to know, this is my paraphrase, this is the RIV, the Ricky International Version. <laughs> said, hey, we heard your prayer when you prayed in, in heaven, but I was, as I was on my way, as the answer was coming, I was held captive by the prince of Persia. Please know he's not talking about a literal prince on earth. He's talking about a prince in the heavenly realms, in the spiritual places. He says, hey, he held me captive. Michael came and released me. Now you see me at day 25. I know that prayers don't always feel like they're answered, but please hear this. Your prayer has to go through the spiritual realm before it gets to the physical. God hears your prayer. As soon as it comes, before it comes out of your mouth, when it's in your heart, God hears you. He knows it. But it has to pass through some things before it gets to you. That's maybe an eight-week series that I don't know a lot about, but I just know that to be true. God hears your prayers. And then worship. I know maybe as men in general, it's like, oh, well, I'll just kind of mouth the words. You are a man of God. Sing like you believe it. For the ladies in the house, you're a woman of God. Sing like you believe it. Maybe don't be a distraction at church, but maybe you need to stomp around your house. I don't know. Worship looks different for everybody, but I know the enemy needs to hear it. And I know that I need to hear it. In worship, there is God's word all throughout every song that we sing. You might not even be aware of where that's from in scripture. It doesn't matter. There's just power in God's word, period. End of discussion. Pray with God's word. Worship with God's word. Your ability to walk in victory is not based on what you see physically, but it's what you perceive spiritually from the word of God. Your ability to win is never going to be on what you see. If you rely on that, you will lose. A lot of times we're experiencing that. We know that. It's what you perceive spiritually from the word and the mouth of God that's going to give you the victory. Amen. Off on my notes, I told you that wasn't in there. Um, a lot of times, as a pastor, quote unquote, I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like singing. I don't feel like coming to church. So I get it. My heart would be to you, do it anyway. God sees it, he honors it, he matches his word, end of discussion, period. That's how he's intended us to fight. And I've learned you can't argue or you can't fight with arguments, you can't fight with logic, you can't fight with reason, you can't fight with how you feel, you can't fight with even being right. You fight with the weapon that God has given you and that is God's word. God's methods always work for God's promises. God's methods work for his promises. The thing is, in the church, a lot of people want the promise, but not the method. We have to pray. We have to worship. We have to read. That's how you get the promise. That's how you get the promise. Let me get back to the story so I can encourage you. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear, 
But I come against you in the name, just the word, in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. Remember, he did not have a sword. He had confidence that he was going to take his sword and cut off his own head. This very day, I'm going to give the whole army to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. David saw what he was walking into but he knew who he was walking in with. David knew it was not about him. David knew that he was a boy, probably 14 to 16 years old. David wasn't arrogant, but please hear me, David was not ignorant. He knew who he was walking in with. He knew what he saw, but he knew who he knew. And that was the deciding factor. It wasn't about what David saw. It's about who was on the inside of him. David's like, hey, you're coming at me with this shield, with this sword, with this javelin, but I'm coming at you in the name of the Lord. So maybe you don't have a sword coming to you, but maybe you have a demonic lie. Maybe it's a spirit. Maybe it's something. It's a sickness. Maybe it's just life. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world, period. Doesn't make it easy, but it means he's going to work it for your good. The enemy, as I begin to close here, the enemy at least in my experience, maybe the people that have been around a little longer is different, but he'll always put a giant where God puts the promise. There's always something I gotta fight through, I gotta get through through the power of the Holy Spirit before I get the promise. So the question is, which one do you have more faith in, the promise or the giant? Which one do you have more faith in, the enemy or your God? A.W. Tozer says it this way, and this is so good, I wish I, wish I wrote this says, what comes into our minds when we think about God, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Maybe the most important thing as you wait is who you believe God is, his promises, his word, his character, his power, his miracles, who he says that he's gonna be. I wrote this to myself. What if the waiting is not just about the answer to your prayer? What if whatever you're waiting on is about what God's wanting to do on the inside of you first? I don't wanna diminish your waiting season and maybe it's been decades, maybe it's been just a few moments, but what if it's not just about the answer prayer, but it's about what God is wanting to do on the inside of you? And I'll close with this and then we'll pray. God won't always reveal the plan to us, rarely does he. He's not going to reveal the plan, but God always, always, always will reveal himself. That's his promise. God does not want us to know the future, church. God wants us to know him. Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. Man, right there where you're at, I just want you to know that God wants you to know him. He wants a relationship with you. Maybe you're far off. I just want you to know that he is not mad at you. That's a lie from the enemy. He's not upset. He's not angry. He just wants his kid back. It's like my kid was to run away. I just want him to come back. And his word says, if we knock, he will answer. The door will be opened. Maybe you've been in church a really long time. And you've gotten off track. You gave your heart to the Lord at one point. He was Lord, but now he's just Savior. 
or maybe you've never given your life to Jesus, I just want you to know we all need someone to save us from our sin. We're gonna spend eternity somewhere. It's your choice to have a relationship with your heavenly father who has created you to do good works. So right now, with no one looking around, Holy Spirit, speak to your people. If there's anyone here and you would say, hey, I need to rededicate my life to Jesus right now. Or hey, I've never made that decision in my life and I wanna give my heart to the Lord right now. Would you raise your hand so I could pray for you? I see you, I see you, I got you. God is so proud of you to my left, right here in front of me. I got you, I got you, I got you. Right here, I see you, I got you in the back. On my right hand side, I see you. Look, God is so proud of you, he sees you. Even before you raise your hand, he's got you. I see you, ma'am, thank you. Know this, you're a child of the king. No weapon formed against you will ever prosper in Jesus' name. The word says, when we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, he is Lord, we are saved. And so you need to say something. You can say something like this, pray this, say, God, I need you. I know I'm messed up and I know I need a savior. Christians, you're praying right now. I need someone to save me from my sin. I want to have a real constant, consistent relationship with you. Holy Spirit, thank you for meeting me where I'm at right now. Help me to know this isn't a feeling, but it's a feeling on the inside of me. Help me to live my life for you, empowered by your spirit. Lord Jesus, I thank you for all those hands. To you be the glory. For every person under the sound of my voice and you're waiting on God to move, he will do it. He will do it. It might not look how you want it. It might not be in your timing, but God will do it. There's a song that's been on repeat for me. I'm gonna read these lyrics over you as a prayer. Keep your eyes closed and just believe this. I'm agreeing it with you. I'm believing it with you. Father, in every season, let our roots grow deeper. In every season, let our faith get stronger, no matter the plan of the enemy. Lord, remind us there is a promise that's worth the wait. Remind us that nothing is ever wasted in your kingdom. That there is purpose in the waiting, that you hear our prayer, you hear our cry. And the answer might not look how we want it, Lord, but we trust you. Empower us, Holy Spirit, to have the faith to believe that you are good. You can't not be good. You honor your word, you match your word. Father God, for your people in this house that are watching online, empower them, speak to them. As we transition into worship here in just a moment, Lord, speak clearly on what you would say to us as an individual. We pray and believe these things in Jesus' name. And the church this morning said, amen.